You are now listening to Evolving with Nicole Sylvester. This is a podcast for women ready to evolve into their fullest, most radiant and rich expressions of self. From well-being to relationships to business to unfiltered conversations about the messy and the majestic, this is a place for you to open your heart, open your mind, and be prepared to hear something that's going to change your life for the better. Are you ready? Enjoy the show. Today, we are talking about AI. We're talking about AI and your humanness. We're talking about AI and how it's going to shake up the future, how it's shaking up right now. We talk about AI and feminine consciousness. We talk about a lot of things. This is a really beautiful conversation. Today, I am bringing you Alicia Abate. To give you some backstory here, Alicia and I met years ago. We were both speaking at a mutual friend's event. We stayed in touch over the years and I have been blessed to have Alicia in one of my programs. She is someone that is brilliant. You're about to find out. You're going to hear just a snapshot of what she brings to the table and what she shares. And I'm so grateful to have her on the show. Now, To give you a more official introduction, I want to let you know that she is the founder of The Future of Now. She's an entrepreneur whose mission is to revolutionize the way trailblazing leaders understand, train, and fuel their leadership. She is named a Forbes leading female futurist, and she's globally recognized expert on the futures of work and strategy. Alicia is a highly sought after keynote speaker. She has spoken in front of audiences of thousands of people for companies like City, New York Life, Deloitte, Honeywell, and so many more. She has a TEDx talk, if you want to check it out, called Pioneering the Future of Work. She's also been featured in publications like Fast Company, Esquire, and she's worked with Trevor Noah and Tony Robbins. There's so much to say, but I will leave you with this. I want you to enjoy this episode. And as you're listening, if there's something that you know someone else should hear, go ahead and share this episode with them. As you're about to find out, this conversation really excites me. The idea of AI and all of the changes that are happening, even though it's a little crazy and mind-blowing, it's also a really exciting time to be alive as you're about to find out right now. All right, Alicia, I know that we've been chatting on Instagram. (laughs) Voice notes. Finally, I said, we need to move this conversation to the podcast if you're into it, because I feel like there's just a lot here. And some people have no idea about some of the things that you were discussing and what I saw you share. So we're going to go into all that. But first, I want to welcome you to the show. And thank you for coming on with us. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here in conversation with you. Yes. So you consider yourself like your work, your futurist. Yes. By that, Tell yeah. us what that is for someone that has no freaking clue. <laughs> no freaking clue. So on, on the one hand, I will say it's one of the luxuries of leaving the corporate world. You get to say and invent who you are <laughs> in any way that you want to. That said, in my role as a futurist, I see myself as someone who goes out to the very edge of the disruptions that are happening in the world, understanding what the dynamics of those disruptions are so that I can help people in today, in the moment that we're living in right now, make sense of the chaos, not be afraid of the big changes that are here and on the horizon, and more importantly, 
take that or channel that dynamic and energy into something that can bring them fulfillment or tangible business results. Yeah, I love that. So it's funny because we were at similar retreats. You were there yes. before me or whatever, but there was a couple there that I'm, I was talking to and they're like, the futurist. <laughs> I was like, Alicia. <laughs> so I like that. You know, the term is memorable, um, but I love that. And it's true because I think that even if I think back to, I don't know, like we are going through a big shift right now, but there's people that think, well, this job, this career, this thing, it's safe, it's stable. And like you're saying, there is an edge. Alicia's out on the edge exploring, looking at what's falling apart, what's coming up uh, like here. But I'm curious, how did you get into this? Like, I don't even know the the story. So I want to know. Yes. Well, it was, it actually may have been the first time I met you or shortly before that I was sitting in a freezing cold conference. It was totally serendipitous. I was sitting in a freezing cold conference room in Las Vegas, Nevada at a Tony Robbins event. And Peter Diamandis, one of the world's foremost futurists gets up onto stage and he starts talking about self-driving trucks. And it doesn't sound that exciting, but he was talking about all the technology behind them and how it was going to change the world that we knew as as we knew it and understood it. And I was all into this because I'm like, this is going to be amazing. Everyone's going to have great opportunities. But then I was like, but wait, what are the people going to do who are going to lose their jobs? And I started to think about truck drivers and then like the mom and pop gas stations and hotel owners. And I thought, oh my gosh, how are we going to empower ourselves in the face of all this disruption? And it hit me particularly hard because I was born and raised in Detroit. And so while there are many reasons for that city's economic challenges, one of the key ingredients is certainly that we did not think preemptively about the impact of tech and work in our working world. So post that conference, I started researching everything I could find on the technology, on economic dynamics, and on personal empowerment. And that was what launched me into this career that I have now. I love that. I didn't know Peter Diamandis. If I'm saying it correctly, I know of him yeah. from the Tony Robbins world, not that much about him. I know you've mentioned him recently, but I didn't know he was a futurist too. Yes. So yes. Really so cool. he, he was the creator, uh, is the creator of X prize and singularity university and, uh, an investor and entrepreneur in many, many, uh, fields and industries. Okay. So before that, I'm curious, what were you doing? Cause you were into growth. You were working on something. Was it your corporate job? So I left the corporate world 10 years ago now, and I had on paper a high-flying executive career. I ran global recruiting for Anheuser-Busch InBev. I ran global recruiting for Dow Jones and the Wall Street Journal. And I decided to leave the corporate world initially because I was so tired of meeting people who are interesting and wonderful and fabulous and creative, but not excited about the work that they were doing. And for me, the driver for that was, yes, it costs companies billions of dollars a year, but what about our human potential? Yeah. If we could unlock ourselves inside of this thing called work, first of all, our own life experience would become something far more magnificent. I mean, we spend more than half of our waking hours, most of us, doing work or work-related stuff. So yeah. we can do it either unhappy and drained and miserable or what happens when we flip that switch? Yeah. So that was the impetus for me to leave the corporate world. And what landed me at that Tony Robbins event is that I was considering scaling products that I had created post the corporate world to solve this problem. 
and my life took a turn to the future. Yeah. That just goes to show like when you're called to go to a place, go because you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, instinct and intuition, and you talk about this a lot and you've helped me um, express this better in the world, but trusting yourself and listening and more than listening, acting when that nudge of intuition hits, probably the best career advice. It's really, and it's interesting because then it's like even bringing that back to the corporate world, it's like the corporate world, the education systems, like it's kind of teaching you to go against that. So there's like this rebellion that's happening in this, yes, in the work that you're doing, the work that you're exploring with other people and helping them see like where we're going. So I was sitting down thinking, I was like, where do we want to take this? Because in the last, I don't know, a few weeks since I've talked to you, because we talked about these things, I've been seeing robots doing all sorts of things. And I'm like, <laughs> they're making coffee now. They're like baristas. Like, yeah. like it's been, it's been insane. Um, before we go into that though, I want to ask you because you mentioned leaving corporate and I feel like there's a lot of people that are listening, whether it's them themselves, they may have a partner where they're in that space of thinking about leaving a thing leaving a career, leaving a job, there's that call. What was that like for you? Um, like, was it an easy, like, I'm ready, if let's go? Or was it kind of like, oh, let me feel this out for a little bit? It was a little bit of both. So I, I will paint a poetic picture. I was living in Manhattan. I was working in Midtown Manhattan, typical high-rise office building. It was a Friday afternoon, raining. So the taxi cabs are starting to line up. I mean, just pictures sort of like panning Sixth Avenue there. And I'm looking out on paper. My job was phenomenal. And I'm looking out the window asking myself, is this all there is? Is this all there is? And so I followed that nudge and I started reading books like The Artist's Way and Creative Confidence and What Color Is Your Parachute and realized very quickly I needed to leave. Yeah. Now, I, I didn't have a specific plan. You know, I'm going to leave A to go do B, C, D, and E, and this is how the plan is going to work. So I would not necessarily recommend that strategy for most people because my risk tolerance is very high. Um, However, once it became clear to me, and this is also a little bit of my personality, I knew I had to go. So shortly thereafter, I said, I'm leaving. They asked me to stay a little bit longer to complete a program. And that was that. Yeah. We're the same in that way. Cause I'm also like that. I'm like, once I know, like, I know I have to, I have to now, but I love the, the picture of the Friday rainy. And I think that when you get to that point where you start asking, is this all there is? Yeah. That's part of the like, no, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know the stat on this or who discovered this or maybe you do, but you know how it's said, I've heard it again and again, that we only perceive like 1% of reality. Mm, yeah. yeah. So it's like, is this all there is? No, there's yeah. not. So what do we want to pay attention to? What do we want to wake up to? And I feel like for anyone that's been thinking and feeling like this can't be all there is, well, just pay attention and get curious to that because it's usually trying to wake you up to something. (laughs) Yes, it is 100% of the time. And one of the things that I've seen over and over again, so I've been teaching this uh, methodology that I created around career design uh, almost since I left the corporate world. So for nine years ago, nine years now. And what I see over and over again is either people listen to the nudge and begin to act or the nudge starts to get louder. 
and it stops being a nudge. It starts being like, you know, a slap and then like yeah. a huge Back knock down. over the side of the head. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're like, you don't want to listen to the nudge. Boom. You're yes. going to, you're going to pay attention now. But yeah, exactly. I think that's how we get to learn the nudge sometimes. Cause like, oh, that actually has been nudging me for a year <laughs> and I have not done anything. Yes. Yes. No. And so we often seem surprised by things that the universe has actually been hinting that we should change yeah. for quite some time. So I think right now, if anyone's paying attention, I, I know I'm seeing it and it's a little uncomfortable. So it's kind of like if some people might not want to see it, that there are some big changes that are happening yeah. all over in the world from yes. education to work, um, to just little luxuries and conveniences. Again, all these little robots running around from walking around Walmart or not walking, rolling around Walmart to, (laughs) I saw someone showed a, um, a little robotic sweeper at the Heathrow airport, like just doing the cleaning now. And then my friend Bettina was, I don't know if she was at, maybe she was at airport too, but there was a barista, like the hand was like Mm -hmm. a little metal hand, but you know, it was like swirling the milk and, doing yeah. all the things and then hands it to you. Yeah. Yes. It's like, okay, so baristas, like I can just see that there's almost this eagerness to see what can we replace humans with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's your perspective of this or what's, what are you seeing from the futurist point of view? Sure. So as we look at this and the headlines will tell us, right? The robots are going to eat your jobs for lunch. Humans are useless. You know, everybody, you should just go live under a rock somewhere. And uh, as with most things, the devil is in the details. And so as we really start to look at what's here, there's a distinction between technologies that are enabling technologies and technologies that are replacing technologies. Mm -hmm. So replacing technologies are those technologies that will actually take over the job of one or multiple human beings, like we've seen in auto factories and that sort of thing. But uh, enabling technologies are technologies that help us do our jobs better. So when you look at medical doctors now who, thanks to artificial intelligence, can tell you the exact kind of plaque that you have in your arteries based on what the AI reads, they can treat and diagnose you better. So how's that AI? This is me. I don't even know. I'm like, well, don't they just kind of like stick a tube in there or take a little test? Like how, what's the, what's the part that makes it AI? Sure. So old imaging techniques, you would get kind of a black and white, gray, fuzzy, grainy picture. But thanks to the sensibility of artificial intelligence and understanding what those little lines mean, it and and millions and millions of pieces of data around medical diagnoses can say, this is plaque that will actually harden your artery and hurt you. So stop doing that. And this is plaque that actually is part of a natural cleaning process inside of your body. And, um, you know, that from, I mean, even as basic as Excel or a calculator, right? Excel and calculator didn't get rid of accountants. It didn't remove the need for people, but it did certainly help people do their work a lot faster. Yeah. Okay. I love that. And I've been seeing also a lot, and I know this is something that we talked about, um, even today, I go onto my Kajabi, which is where I host my courses. And I was like looking into one of my courses because I'm updating it. And it says, our new AI course outline creator can help you with blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah. whoa. Okay. <laughs> so there's a lot of new features that are coming out. 
It's it's brilliant. I don't know if you or maybe your users have had the opportunity to work with ChatGPT and they've just released the next iteration of it. When I tell you that this, if you are a solopreneur or if you are considering getting out into the world and uh, creating your own business, now you don't need to hire somebody to do a thousand hours of social media campaign. You can simply type in, please. So based on the business research of the last 10 years, what are the 10 most interesting topics for people interested in X? Give me titles and text for LinkedIn posts. And it will spit them out for you in a matter of seconds. And while you'll still need to edit and do some tweaking on top of it, because it's not perfect, that's saved you how much time? with creativity, with figuring out how to wordsmith, with coming up even with ideas of what to think about. And you may or may not even be hitting a market. Wow. So chat GPT, I've heard of that one a lot. I feel like that one's... It's probably the most prominent. uh, Is it a company or is it... It's it's created by a company called OpenAI. Okay. And so uh, they are, they've created ChatGPT and a series of other tools related to artificial intelligence and machine learning. So I would highly recommend you follow them and just, just start playing around with it. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like Google on steroids when you start to play with it. You just ask it questions, you know, and I've asked it questions that range from, you know, technical work stuff to, um, how many human beings need to are, are needed above the number 200 on the Hawkins scale in order to achieve world peace? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it knows it's like, it's, it's like a search engine for sure. It's, it's like a search engine, but imagine a search engine of literally everything that has ever been written. Wow. I wonder what this will look like, you know, cause it's like, even we think about Google, like Google, um, the things that we think are here to stay Google, Amazon, Okay, they're hot now. They're big now. They're everything now, but we don't know what it will be in 10 years. Right. And, and that's the, so in the inquiry or the, the invitation to think about all this change that's happening in the world, yeah. one of the most powerful tools that we can enable ourselves with or empower ourselves with is the ability to name, define, and challenge the assumptions that we have about how the world is. Mm. And, you know, we think Amazon's going to be here forever, or this company's going to be here. This is how we do things. So we're always going to do them that way. Yeah. If you can start to play the game of saying, what would the world look like if that didn't yeah. exist anymore? Or what would the world look like if instead of this opportunity, there were that opportunity? From a place of curiosity, you you begin to remove some of the fear that sits around the disruption. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like for some people, if they thought that was their job, maybe they went to school for it or they went to, um, took some kind of, you know, program for, let's say, six months, two years. And then now they hear that that's being replaced, Um, even with the truck drivers. Obviously, you saw that a while ago, but I still see Amazon drivers everywhere. Yes. (laughs) So it's like there's still people there, but there are these other, like there are these technologies. So it takes time for it to kind of make its way. Sure. Yeah. yeah. There, there's, there's inertia, right? So, so yeah. it takes a while for the Titanic to turn itself around and to move into a different direction. And so Maybe we shouldn't use the Titanic. Yeah, Titan- the Titanic <laughs> just died and you know, it just sank. But you know, it takes a while for large boats to shift yeah. directions. Right. 
Yeah. And, and in that same way, um, for everybody on the planet from day to night, they might not feel the impact instantaneously, but that's the, it doesn't mean that it isn't happening. Yeah. And so this is where curiosity comes from. You know, have a look at of the 700 and however many jobs that are listed in the Department of the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The, some economists did research to say these are the ones that are most likely to get taken over by robots. And these are the ones that are least likely to get taken over by robots. Wow. So you just have a look. Then you don't have to wait for the yeah. day that the robot comes and eats your <laughs> job. Or lunch. Yeah. Then it's like, yeah, that's really interesting. What do you see in terms of disruptions that are happening now that feel like they're very present and people are really getting like, I don't know, frustrated, fearful, concerned? Yeah, I, I would say this, these advances with artificial intelligence, and I'll just use our uh, chat GPT as this generative, um, AI technology, the, so if you think about the telephone, it took the telephone 75 years to get to a hundred million users, 75 years and Uber and Netflix, you know, we'll call it in the range of three to eight or nine years of time. It took chat GPT two months to reach 100 million users. And I feel like not even that many people know about it, like at the same time. You at the same mean? time. Yes, exactly. And so, so the side scale speed of change of access. So we used to think if we think about this, the second industrial revolution, the assembly line and, you know, yeah. automotive vehicles, right? The rate of change during those years was incremental. It, yeah. it may have felt fast, but it was sort of step by step by step. Then computers come onto the scene. And change starts to happen at an exponential rate, like, like compound interest. And uh, then now this world that we're living in, which uh, people will say the World Economic Forum calls it the fourth industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. I call it the first quantum or the first energetic revolution. Mm-hmm. So we have moved rates of change from incremental to exponential to instantaneous. Wow. And yeah. so our ability to, and this is one of the reasons why I admire your work so much, the ability to tap into what is happening right now, what is emerging from the world that we're living in becomes the most critical skill that we could use to reduce our fear in the face of this great change. Yes. I feel that with the the exponential. I feel like, I mean, that for those of us that are paying attention, it's just seeing that to me. It's like more and more of what I thought life was. It's just not. And it's more flexible. It's more of an illusion. It's more pliable. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and that's freaky. You know, it can be startling if you are looking at life at very much like this is the way life is. And I think that's how it was for our parents and their parents. It was a slower build. You could pick a career and stay there for 35 yeah. years and retire. You could be in a relationship and, and stay in it forever. You could move into one house and live there forever. But I feel like with the way that things are and just how you mentioned this with chat GPT and people coming on board, we see that with attention span, like my daughter and then her kids, who knows what their attention span, they pick things up and then they're just ready to move on. And that's like TikTok attention span. You know, it's like this 10 second, 15 second thing. Yeah. Things are just moving faster. Things are moving so quickly, which is why it's so important. When we think about how, 
I'm talking about or thinking about building a business, right? Or if you're considering an endeavor like that, we used to like old sales training. And I know you talk about this a lot as well, right? You would just get like amped up and charged up and go yeah. out and crush the goals and do the thing. And that's fine, but there's a real jitteriness to that energy. Yeah. And when the chaos around us is also jittery, two jitteries don't work very well together. Yeah. And, right? It's called anxiety. So, it's, it's like anxiety <laughs> everywhere. It's too much anxiety. So learning how to ground in yeah. and empower yourself and be the calm in the face of that, then no matter what happens around you, you're centered. Yeah. You're fine. You just keep coming back home. Yeah. I think this is why a lot of, there's a lot of people where their traumas and things are coming up in the last two years for them to heal. But that's because so that we can be the capacity for that. Yeah. And I feel like, so anyone, I was just, I went to get my hair styled and my hairstylist was telling me all this stuff, like having to go, like people going to therapy and all this stuff. And I'm like, right now we are going through like a massive awakening. And I feel like, and this is something you and I talked about, it's like so blaringly obvious to me that all of this AI is coming online, but all of these humans are being asked to come online and not just in this numbed out, going through life, not paying attention, but like really being your authentic self, really feeling like that is needing to rise with the AI or there's a, there's an off balance that's happening. Yes. That is absolutely the case. And in my own experience, I have been invited to examine some of those old past trauma wounds. Yeah. Right? And, and though I have found and you know, my personal mission, I made a commitment to myself that whenever I bump up against a, something like that, that I will be with it until it's gone. Yeah. Right. Um, until it's been transmuted and in, into the next phase of growth, what happens and I know that you know this, but there's only more freedom on the other side of yeah. it. And the more awakening. Torture, maybe. <laughs> in between. It depends. I'll say this. Everybody has their own experience. It can feel very challenging. Oh, and, and the during times. Yeah. And you so, have to go through it. You have to go through it. Yeah. Because yeah, and, and it's the go. gift. Mm-hmm. No, no go. what were you gonna say? And and it's it's the the gift. Yeah. That's that's the it's like it will. I view it also so much as the hero's journey, you know, as the the hero's journey has a moment in the middle or many moments in the middle where you have to conquer something or, you know, get rid of a last part of yourself or a former version of yourself that no longer serves. It's initiation. It's initiation. Yeah. So it's like, as this intelligence is coming in, it's, it is very, it's like the super intelligence, but we're being invited into our own. Mm-hmm. And our own is not what we learned at school. It is not what we it's learned beyond. <laughs> so it's... we're being asked to like tap into like next level virtual reality, which is what we can access within. And, it... you know, so there's like all of those people that are just like, I can't meditate and I don't want to. It's like that in within that still, stillness and willingness is the access to the next level career, the next level whatever it is, inspiration, it's here for us. But I feel like the people that are willing to do that are going to have an advantage. It's an advantage. How are you working with people? How do you work with people these days? Like, I know you do a lot of amazing talks. You've spoken on so many stages with really incredible speakers. Um, Do you still work with individuals? 
as they're working with their careers or? I rarely, rarely, rarely work with folks one-on-one anymore. It's, it, these days it needs to be somebody who is an executive in big transition or somebody who's kicking off a big scalable startup kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, however, I have shifted. So I just recently launched a LinkedIn course called Build a Career You Love No Matter the Market. And so that is a way for folks to have access to, to some of this kind of teaching. But what I've actually done in this interim is created a whole suite of, we'll call it leadership development products, um, future-led leadership training that helps us move to this place of business beyond the mind. Because as we think about our leadership, the second industrial revolution, that incremental change to exponential change now to quantum change or instantaneous change, if any of us had the luxury of having access to learning about leadership development, it probably came out of the second industrial revolution, which was a very, very long time ago and is no longer applicable in the same ways to the world that we're living in. Yeah. And so I now do larger scale trainings for big corporates um, and larger audiences around the world. I love that. And just to show all the talks you're getting, all the work you have right now is just, it's just evidence of how much this conversation and where we're going. People are like hungry, curious, ready for this kind of stuff because we're seeing like this is where we're going. And I think before people were like, I'm not spiritual, I'm not this. Meditation and and all this stuff isn't even about spirituality for so many people. Mm-hmm. It's like it's about coherence. It's about tapping into your, if you want to say your highest self, but also your most intelligent self, the one that feels and and that can problem solve in a way that doesn't require you to hustle. And like you said, the second revo- what industrial revolution, is that what you're yes, saying? Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. That yeah. when like thinking grow rich and what were the years of that? Cause that's given that that's was like assuming. early 1900s. Okay. Um, yeah. So Andrew Carnegie, so it was, it was very much that time and it was, it, you know, that led into the, and this was my life in the corporate world that just what I call force finish, right? Like no matter what, no matter the cost, no matter how many all nighters you pull, yeah. you're going to stick with this until it's done. And you're also going to burn out. <laughs> that's, I feel like that's all of us women mm-hmm. that got into any sort of business or anywhere where you wanted success, it felt like seven, eight years ago, I feel like that's what it felt like it was required from where I was. Yeah. And this shift is offering us an opportunity to really redefine. So I call it revolutionizing how leaders, how trailblazing leaders, which is actually all of us. If you don't consider yourself a trailblazer, if you're alive in this time, you are a trailblazer of, of a human being, but how we understand, train, and fuel our leadership, because it used to be a solely intellectual exercise. I'm going to learn the top five things about leadership. I, this is how I'm going to be a good leader if I implement these five practices. There is an intellectual component, but there's the mechanics of how our physical body thrives or doesn't thrive based on what we feed it. There's our ability to, thanks to the development of our and strengthening and expansion of our neural networks and our brain, our heart and our gut, that we can more easily tap into this field, the quantum field that we can when we're meditating in order to have that support us in our creation and our creative activities in the world. So it's a total shift 
and you can even see, I love to think about how, even if you watch like movies, but movies, you know, they're just a little glimpse, but in the corporate world or in the successful world, it used to be like all the high level entrepreneurs were all about like martinis and cocaine, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and like now they're about like NAD drips and cold plunging. And it just shows <laughs> like yes. that used to be the way because that fuels that kind of lifestyle. And then yeah. people are like, wait, we actually want to get into flow. <laughs> and, but also we had to, as a species, open up and be okay with feeling more and yeah. being more vulnerable. And really that's the feminine consciousness that I feel like is mm-hmm. washing through everything right now, which is like, it's safe to feel. It's safe to feel like things are hard. It's safe to get therapy. Like, you know, it's, it's welcomed. And, um, I know that you talk a lot about that in your work of just like being well. Let's talk about that a little bit. Like when you're speaking to some of these companies and working with some of these executives, that's a big, I'm assuming that's a bigger focus now. People being well, people being happy. Yes, it's a huge focus now because you'll remember that when I was explaining what I do as a futurist, the big question I was asking is how are we going to empower ourselves in the face of all of this disruption? And when the pandemic hit, it struck me that that wasn't a strong enough question because I had the realization that the dynamic of change that's happening. So usually what used to happen, right? A big disruption would happen. Everybody would freak out and then we would resolve back to a calm new normal or back to the way things were. That's not how this is happening. It's just disruption and then another disruption and another (laughs) disruption. And we just keep waiting for resolution that doesn't come. And so we need to, once again, empower ourselves to be able to create our own resolution and calm time, even as this disruption is occurring. And so my question shifted from how might we empower our success in the face of great uncertainty and disruption to how might we do that in the face of disruption with no foreseeable end? Yeah. And that's where my or anxiety or or anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, no foreseeable end, people. Yes. <laughs> but, but that's yeah. how my life feels sometimes because, and that's why we have to be conditioned for it, is like the unraveling, the emerging, the um, holding space for the uncertainty and really realizing that there never was certainty anyway. There never was certainty anyway. And, you know, a pathway there, this program I created called Regenerative Resilience, um, it's, it's a three-part framework designed to help us, you know, each of them are sort of interlocking parts to thrive in this disruption. So the first piece is around clarity, who we are, what we're up to, what we value and how to protect that by creating and maintaining strong boundaries. There's fearlessness, not connection because, or excuse me, fearlessness, not courage because courage is an extractive activity, right? Like feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. Um, so fearlessness is about understanding that we can control the chemical reactions occurring in our body, that we can learn how to build space into our schedules and that by challenging our assumptions, we can create more options with more options. We reduce our fear. And then finally connection. How do we actually use these platforms that seemingly are separating us to build true human connection? And how do we think about contributing as opposed to taking when we're building our communities? Yeah. And I, you know, it's like you apply this to work and career, but it's like, that's life, you know, it's like mm-hmm. across the board because yes. 
when we have those fears, it is because we can't perceive really all that's available. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's like such a learned thing. You know, it's like we're, we've learned that. So now I feel like that program is an opportunity to unlearn. To unlearn. It's an invitation yeah. to explore the idea that there is, well, they're infinite, but there, there's another way of going about stuff. We so, don't have to run around like crazy people. Tell me about your experience. Cause for you to be able to hold this, for you to be able to create this, yeah. the people that do this were people that have gone through the initiations. <laughs> oh, oh, <my. laughs> Did you go through the, <laughs> the no foreseeable future? <laughs> oh my gosh. Did I ever go through the no foreseeable future? I will tell you. Um, I'm laughing because I'm like, yes, I yes, know that I know. have. Yeah, and yeah. I know that that's the journey because for any of us to hold this, like to hold this, yeah, we have to have walked through it and realized like, okay, it's not that scary. We're going to be okay. Yeah. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Yeah. I'll, I can share a story. So uh, part of my future of work, my, my entree into this is I got another nudge of intuition. And what I decided to do in January of 2017, I put everything I own into a storage unit in Santa Monica, California, uh, except for what fit into a carry-on suitcase to go and search for answers to these questions around the future of work. I used my life as a whole big experiment. And I was talking to people who were creating the technologies and economists, and I was interviewing people about mastering change. And my life was built around a significant amount of uncertainty because from day to day, I didn't know where I was going to be. I didn't know where I would be traveling. And that was all fine and good for the first little while. However, my bank account was getting lower and lower and lower. My credit cards are getting higher and higher. I was earning like no money while this was happening. And I didn't understand what was driving that dynamic. I was negotiating a contract that would have paid for several months of the dream that would have just given me the breathing room. And I was in the 11th hour and I was like, okay, this is going to be great. At the 11th and a half hour, the guy calls and was like, no, this isn't going to go through. But I tell you, I was in my friend's place in LA. Like I fell to my knees. I'm sobbing. I mean, the, the fear that seized my being at that time <laughs> yeah. was... Survival. It was, it was survival at its most sort of fundamental level. And in that moment on my knees, this is moment, this is enough to breathe. Like it's going to be okay. Slow down my breathing. And then the next day was able to start examining why things weren't working. And then be, I began to be able to put measures into place. And that's when things really started to turn around. But that's one example that. of. multiple initiations. I'm like, I love that. But the thing is, I love these stories because it just shows like, I I have a feeling like I believe in ease and grace, but yet I do know that we are called by our soul to be challenged so that we can withstand it. And it's like, if you even think about why this whole cold, cold plunge, um, like trend is so big right now, it's to prepare people's body. If for those of you don't, that don't know, it's to prepare your body for high levels of stress so that when you have that rush of adrenaline, it's not like, Oh my God, we're freaking out. It's like, I can remain calm and there's all kinds of other benefits to it. But when you learn, when you reach hell, like Alicia <laughs> just described, <laughs> and then you're like, well, I was in hell. Don't want to check back in, but I'm alive. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm okay. I can do this. Exactly. And, you know, we all have our own thresholds for that. We all have our own seasons for that. We all have our own reasons why our soul leads us on that GPS to that at times. But it's usually not the end of the road. It's usually the beginning of something spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and it was for me. I mean, that, that's when I really sat down and just had a hard look at what was working, what wasn't working, uh, what I needed to do to create stability, even if I wasn't feeling it to outside world, the outside world and potential clients, yeah. because I kept on hearing, Oh, yeah, we'd love to work with you when you're done with this. Mm. Calls back when you're finished with this experiment. And so that offered the opportunity for me to. Uh, get into proactive, effective action. Yeah. I love that. It, it just goes to show like there's the journey that's preparing us for everything that we're meant to do. Yeah. And yeah. I love and, that about life. And, and the beauty of it now is that thanks to all of those ups and downs, um, I have learned a practice with disruption that because I have been disrupted and I have disrupted my own self so many times that when it comes from the outside, it's less impactful. Yeah. yeah. And I know that I'm in the part of it where, Ooh, this is the hard part. Okay. I'm just going to need to like be in this for a minute. And then it starts to consolidate and make itself clear and a pathway out always, always, always appears. And I, I like that you bring that up because if you think of for anyone listening, it's like external disruption, you lose your job or people lose their relationship and you hear this and you're like, there was no sign that you yeah. weren't going to like, there was no hint. And usually there is, usually there's something, but it just like you allow it to sideswipe you. And sometimes there might not be, but when you are used to cultivating that curiosity. And like you mentioned with the regenerative resilience, it's like you're learning to have that resilience, but bringing it back to that, because you added, I think this is around the time that you were in my world and we were working together, yeah. that you were really bringing this program together and the idea of regenerative with the resilience. Talk about that. Cause yeah. that's important. And I really, now when I see regenerative, I always think of you regenerative <laughs> farming, regenerative eggs. <laughs> like, I'm like, I think of you. So tell us a little bit about that and why it's important. Cause I think it's a big deal. Yes. So when I was thinking about uh, how we're going to empower ourselves, doing research around the mechanisms that would help us really thrive, you know, resilience, we, we read about it in the popular press now all the time, you know, Harvard Business Review, Wall Street Journal, and all of the articles and things are saying resilience is the way. And when I say resilience to you, just like check in with how your body feels, right? There, there's like a struggle that comes with it. There's a, you know, for human beings alive today, we're resilient. And that's, it's like a barely surviving kind of an I'm like, energy. I'm tired of that. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like my body, like literally I just went through that in the fall. So I'm just like, I know I'm resilient, but I don't want to be like that, yeah, totally. you know? <laughs> I <Exactly>. regenerate. <laughs> So yeah, and that's exactly nobody talks about it. So that's why I think this is so important. That's exactly it. And so, so regenerative, because when we regenerate, not only do we come back to the state that we were prior to whatever occurred, but we expand beyond it, become better, thrive because of it. And there's a freedom, even as I'm talking to you right now, like my, like, whoo, I'm so into this because there's a freedom and an empowerment and expansion that comes with that. If we can start to learn to shift from how am I solely going to survive to uh, how does this turn me into the next best version of me? Yeah. 
And I feel like it's an invitation to not only like keep pushing or keep going or resilience is like, you can handle this. You can do it. You can keep trucking forward in a way, you know, you still have some life in you (laughs) where, (laughs) where I feel like the regenerative part is really important. (laughs) Like, it's like, we need that time. And I feel like that's why it's important. You start noticing that there is that trend that's coming where I noticed it with regenerative farming, um, like agriculture. And then like when the whole egg shortage came about, the only eggs that were left were like the $10 regenerative (laughs) eggs, like from regenerative farms. I was like, perfect. They're the probably healthiest one. But, um, but so I feel like there's more of that coming. We're like, how can people, they're, they're thinking of how to regenerate the soil. Like we have to, we can't just keep pushing, depleting and like, it's okay. You have more life in you. It's like, while we're a bag's under our eyes, (laughs) (laughs) barely sleeping Starbucks addiction. (laughs) But if I just have one more cup of coffee, then it'll all be okay. Right. Like shifting away from that. That scares because that's all driven by scarcity. Yeah. All of that is driven by scarcity. And um the the overlay of scarcity in our economic system creates a false, a false lack. Is because the universe is truly abundant. Our world is truly abundant. And um, so when we start to allow for that shift over into regenerative and to stop extracting to the point of destruction. But, you know, shifting into uh, how do we allow for flourishing across the board? I love that. And that's, that's part of that feminine. Yes. As we talk about feminine consciousness, it's like feminine knows how to, and not when I say this, not the gender like woman, but men, that's why males are coming forward with so many of these things now, because it's like the feminine is an amplifier. Yes. Multiplier brings light. It's, It's doing that. So I feel like, this is just one of those ways that it's showing up. Uh, I had a question for you with how you're seeing that this is impacting education and like just in general life as we know it. We've seen it with banks. Like there's crazy banking stuff happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, people are starting to question. We have Bitcoin and all these other NFTs and I don't know enough, but I know that there's a whole new world emerging in finance that is kind of shaking things up. And then in education, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot, I feel like that's kind of, I don't know, the veil's lifting. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What are your perspectives on some of these things? Yeah. So on so many levels with education, right? So my entree into the future of space is through the future of work, but there's no conversation about the future of work without a conversation about the future of education. And particularly higher education, but education in general is on the cusp of massive disruption. Most of what students are learning in school is uh, so outdated and antiquated. It's not preparing them for what the world looks like. And that was already true when we were leaving school, but um, that it's, it is exacerbated. There are folks who are going into, I just read something in the Wall Street Journal, right? You um, go to school studying a four-year degree, and, but by the time you graduate, what you learn in school is no longer relevant. I mean, look what happened with chat GPT in two months. In, t- like, in two months time. What else is doing that? And, you know, that's my and, question. That That's exactly right. And so when we think about what we're learning or what careers to opt into, certainly learn critical thinking, learn mathematical computations to the, deg- to the degree that it helps your brain understand logic, right? But 
we want to form our brains to be able to not understand a specific technology or a specific methodology, but to become specialists in the problems themselves, right? So how do we empower ourselves? Or uh, And so entrepreneurial thinking, entrepreneurial education, you know, if I could wave my magic wand, I would encourage every parent, every student to train themselves in entrepreneurship even if they are having a more traditional salary job yeah, because um, our ability to earn income first is re- reducing in, in across many fields in traditional salary jobs, but also um, larger organizations are demanding that we have entrepreneurial thinking. If the market goes bananas and we want to have diversified streams of income, um, you're going to want to have a side hustle and learn how to run the business of your business. So, um, so long and short of it is education is massively ripe for disruption. The same drivers that ensured that having a college education or a higher education would uh, give you a lifelong path to greater wealth. Those barriers are crumbling. Companies like Google and Apple and Ernst and Young no longer require that you have a college degree to apply for their jobs. So the market drivers are a different one because it turns out that college degree is not actually uh, any kind of indication of how successful you're going to be at work. It's your intelligence. Yeah. And so the whole dynamic is shifting. What do you think with jobs? Like when I was growing up, people would always say like, get a job with the government or get a job. Like this is stuff my grandmother would tell me. (laughs) And it's just like, you know, like postal office. Like if you work for the post office and I see people Mm -hmm. that work in the post office and there's nothing you know, I don't know, but it just seems very monotonous, right? Where like life now is so fast paced. And um, I just wonder if that still holds true in some way. I know not for an entrepreneurial minded person, but I don't believe, and this is just my perspective. I do believe that some people are not meant to be entrepreneurs. I believe that we need supporters. Mm -hmm. And um, like, I wonder what will happen with the whole disc profile as all this is disrupting if everyone will be DIs or something. But um, I just, I wonder with some of these jobs, like what other jobs I'm trying to think of, like, I know like pharmacists, but there were just key jobs that 25 years ago, let's say, were like, you get this job, you're good. You're good forever and ever. Yeah. And so what's this looking like these days? Sure. So, so there will still be those kinds of of roles, right? And again, technology is not, excuse me, going to come and uh, knock everything out in an, in an instant. There's the inertia of how things move. There are, you know, industry sectors that are pushing toward the cutting edge. And there are those who will be happy to just keep moving along, right? Uh, Being an engineer is a great field where you are going to be enormously enabled by artificial intelligence and and, uh, generative artificial intelligence and machine learning, right? So um, I just meant like, also, are they like, just still considered that I'm so out of the workplace, like, realms. (laughs) So I'm wondering. Yeah, so there are definitely job paths that seem, feel, and look more secure. So going to work for the government today might still be a um, sort of a longer-term path, right? Yeah. But you have to have to remember back in the day, um, you know, again, being from Detroit and coming from a blue-collar background, the objective was to get a job in the factory, and you would work in the factory for your entire career, you'd be well taken care of, and then you would retire. And so for any job that sounds, looks, or feels like it's going to be a forever thing, it might be, and that's great. However, I would 
also in deciding to go down a path, say, how might this be disrupted? And how might I position myself to take advantage of the disruption as opposed to getting laid off or downsized? So this is, this brings us to like what Warren Buffett always has said, like his quotes that go around about, you are your number one investment. Mm -hmm. Because whatever your job is, whatever your higher education was, as long as you're growing, I, this is his, I can see this in both of our stories that we tell. Like there was somewhere along the way where we were like, I'm going to make an investment or I'm going to be in a room full of people that are talking about what's new, what's fresh, what's unfolding, that you're going to be in the know. You're going to figure something out. You're not going to be out of the loop. But if you're disconnected from those places and you're not listening to that and you're just kind of going through the motions, then you are kind of like you're losing value as a workplace asset, I feel like. Absolutely. Not as a human, but as a workplace Correct. Correct. And uh, that's that's an awesome distinction there, right? Because as uh, also you talk about all the time, right? All of us are uniquely valuable and we have our own imprint to bring to the world. And our value does not come from what we do, but rather this powerful being of, of yeah. who we are. And in my experience, right, there's, there's sort of like the ostrich person who just, and I know a lot of those, will stick their heads in the sand and just hope for the world to stay the same and just try and ignore everything around us. That's a way to live. And though, uh, we got a lot of years in front of us. So yeah. <laughs> making, helping ourselves stay relevant. Um, I invest an enormous amount of, uh, a big chunk of money every year in, in myself. And I know that, that, um, you do as well, but it's, it's understanding where my edges are, where I see that I need to grow, but that I haven't had the opportunity to do so yet. Yeah. And these kinds of programs have ranged from, you know, working with you on feminine entrepreneurship and what it means to lead from a much more embodied place to, you know, working with John Amaral and his body centered leadership to joining Peter Diamandis and his Abundance 360 group, uh, which is all about sort of entrepreneurship and scaling and how do you impact a billion people in a 10 year lifespan, right? So it's really gone across the board. And I would say investing in oneself is the best, best, best thing that you could do. And by the way, it doesn't need to be with money. So you might say, okay, this is great. So you have cash to invest in this. The beautiful thing about the world we live in today is the internet. Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> like I you, you have we have so much accessible with YouTube, with podcasts like this. It's just things that you never would know. And that's why I brought it here because when I saw Alicia was sharing something, you were sharing things. I think after you were in the Abundance 360 group, you were like just sharing some insights or whatever, yeah. um, things that you thought were cool. And then I was like, what the hell? Oh, I know what it was. It was the videos that were actually AI. Oh, yeah. It was yeah, like yeah, yeah. a video of, it could be a video of you or I, and we're talking. And I was like, that is cool and creepy. And yeah, this is yeah. where we're going. <laughs> so for anybody listening, imagine if you have not seen this yet, imagine if you received a personalized video message from me. And I was just like, hey, thinking about you, I would love to have you in this or whatever. But it looked just like the person. Yeah. 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 And I was it's, like, wow, you know, this is, this is where we're going. Yeah. This, this is where we're going. And so keeping ourselves abreast of what's going on. And sometimes, you know, like it can feel overwhelming. So go watch Netflix and let yourself chill out or, you know, do yeah. whatever makes you feel good. 
Um, and though getting interested and curious about something, you don't need to know all the things. Get curious. What's something that could be interesting for you in your career that you would like to learn a little bit more about and then start going down the rabbit hole? Cause yeah. there's so much free, wonderful stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's good to know early. Cause I will say this people that started doing ads when ads first came out on the internet, like when ads first came out on social yeah, media, yeah. they killed it. Yeah. Like they literally said that it was like printing money <laughs> because not as many people were doing it yeah, and it yeah, wasn't yeah. as oversaturated. So it's like, there's something that's like that emerging now. Yes. Yes. And that's the cool thing. So if you want to get curious about it and if it calls to you, I don't think that we're meant to be doing everything. So it's like listening to those nudges, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Some of it's going to feel weird and icky to you, right? Not every topic is is the most interesting one. And some people, you know, I follow folks from across the board from like, you know, the tech bros to super, uh, you know, plugged into the earth entrepreneurs to you know, <laughs> totally across the board, just to get a sense of what's happening in the world. And some of it I look at and I'm like, this is clear that it's not for me. And it's interesting to know that there's a whole community of people in the world that think this way that are doing this thing. And in some, on some level, it's impacting my world. And then there's other folks who you follow and you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is enriching me in so many ways. I want to learn more about this thing. And those are the ones that I will spend more time, you know, delving into content and taking classes and stuff. What do you think in the next five years will be some disruptions? or something that maybe is already disrupting that we haven't discussed, but anything that's in the online space. I mean, there's a lot of people here that listening that are in the online space in some way, but a lot of, you know, our partners, our family members, Yeah, we, we have people everywhere, but what do you see? What are some of the things that you expect? Yeah. So I think along the lines of, uh, so in, in this space of artificial intelligence and machine learning, um, we will, we are going to experience like a Gutenberg press or like an internet level society shifting um, uh, moment with artificial intelligence. So it's going to change how we approach work, how we think about work, how we understand and define what human activities and jobs are and uh, what they are not. You know, it was, this was data is now a year or two old, but you know, by 2030, um, like 85% of the jobs that are going to exist then haven't been invented yet. Holy crap. So how many percent? 85%, oh, 85%, right? Wow. So it, it's, there's just so much being created. So like cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, uh, manager, right? <laughs> like yeah. what does this look like? Metaverse community manager, right? Yeah, Today we're metaverse thing. Yeah. Which is, is a whole other thing, which my opinion on that is it's simply now moving through what, what in the tech world is called the trough of deception. So when a f- new technology first comes out, everyone's like, yeah, it's going to be so cool. And then you're like, actually, this sucks. <laughs> like It doesn't work very well. It's not wow. that good. And though, just because it doesn't perform the way we thought it would, doesn't mean that it isn't getting better, improving, or creating yeah. value on the back end. And so it will re sure it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like what people are expecting, but it, some of this stuff just makes me think of Black Mirror episodes I've seen and like crazy future movies. And I'll tell you, there's not been one future movie where I'm like, yeah, I want to go there. This is my, I, <laughs> like, yeah, like it yeah, looks sure. some of the stuff is just like, because to me, it's like, I feel like the pandemic did prime us for having less connection 
And also, I know it's like reflected back to me how important connection is. And I've actively decided like, okay, I'm going to prioritize these relationships. I'm going to do this. But when I think of now going to get coffee and what if it's not even a human, that moment of like, I go, I go to the coffee shop where people know me and like, you know, those little things, it might not change right away, but just to show that all of these little ways. And I'm totally the person that's like representative. Like I cannot, I can, like, you know, when it's like, you do not understand. I'm like, I want to talk to you human. <laughs> so it's just interesting to see how the sensitive humans are going to be because we're becoming more sensitive and that's a gift. And there's a lot of these changes. So we really have to, we have to educate ourselves and we have to equip ourselves. We're already equipped, but it's like taking the time to almost like integrate our tools that we've been born with. Yes. Yes. And it's consciously, as you said, it's consciously uh, nourishing our connections because in addition to um, just the basic human need of (laughs) we are social beings, we are actually animals still on some level, right? Fundamentally. Um, and we thrive off of being connected, but actually, as, as we continue to move forward, our electromagnetic interactions become more and more important as we look at our entire field of being. And, um, and so purposefully fostering true connection because the, the internet, uh, the, gosh, I just saw this. I got to remember if it was the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, but, uh, the degree of false connection that we assume that we have and how detrimental it is to our yeah. mental health and our, our actual well-being. You mean so, through like social media and stuff like that? Y- yes, yes. Yeah. So we um, have the illusion that we're connecting with somebody over text or, but really we've, we've said some lines back and forth to each other, but in the interim, we've invented a whole series of reality and story that isn't actually there. Yeah. And that isn't truly a, a human connection. And it's, it's crazy because even me, like this happened to me this morning because I was stopped for a breakfast taco and I stopped and um, they were like, Michael. And I looked over and it's Michael, like a co-host of one of my favorite podcasts. And I was like, Michael, I love your show, <laughs> but I feel like I know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. do from the podcast, but I don't know him. Yeah, <laughs> so like, exactly. You know, yeah. it's like, so I know enough to know that I don't know him, but I feel like it creates this, like, I know him. I know his wife. And you know, no, I don't. I know them from whatever persona and what they share. And it does make us feel like we're connected because we have these things in our hands, but we have to have that awareness to realize that no we don't and if even if we look and this is something um learning from just like trauma healing and stuff like that like so many of these diseases that are happening at a high rate are not because of what people say like it's from bacon or it's from (laughs) this it's from like lack of connection and community and like feeling loved and feeling seen and that is becoming more and more of a reality too so it's like all of these signs point to connect with the people you love, open your heart, (laughs) connect the source. Like all of this is pointing us to that if we're willing and ready. But I know in my community, we are. So that's the exciting thing. Yes, that's, that's exactly it. It's, it's the invitation. Now is the time. Now is the time. So I want to ask you, I know you have a book coming out. 
Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so tell us a little bit about your book. I'm so excited to see it and to share it with my people. I am so excited about it too, because it was thanks to your nudge through your course on, you know, publish your, your workbook in, you know, X amount of days or whatever, 30 days. Yeah. Uh, I took the class and I was like, oh, I have content. I'm going to put this out there. And so it's all, it's how to build a career that you love for career switchers. It's a strategic guide to finding fulfillment and freedom at work. Oh, I love that. And- it's going to be so good. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited about it. And because as we began our conversation today, we were talking about uh, the importance of people finding happiness and fulfillment in their work because we spend yeah. so much time doing it. So it's, it's like the step-by-step breakdown of everything I did when I left the corporate world of what I've taught people in places like Stanford and Chicago and NYU and University of Michigan, yeah. um, how to design a career that can lead to that. I love that. So would you suggest that people get the book and then do the course? Do they go together? Do you find like they, they, they are, they are re- related to each other and feel free to go onto LinkedIn and take build a career you love no matter the market. This workbook is way more detail, way more insight stories about how these things came about way more exercises. So it's far much, much more in depth than the LinkedIn course. I love it. Okay. So that's going to be on Amazon. So yes. So anyone that has been listening, thinking, should you take the course or is it going to be hard to write your book? Alicia, you did it in like, how how many weeks has it been? Like five or Um, six weeks? Yeah. Five or six. And and I I didn't do anything like the first week. No, it's, I didn't even do anything the first week or two, (laughs) but as soon as I sat down and just, I just did it. I followed your guidelines and suggestions like to the T. Yeah. Yeah. I love this because I'm, I'm saying this because I feel, I really feel like if you're someone that already teaches yeah, and I feel like this is the amazing thing for Alicia, like Alicia's teaching at these big institutions, the average person on Amazon doesn't have access to what you're teaching. Yeah. So this becomes this more accessible thing. And that's why I love it. So I can't wait to see it. I know it's like right around the corner. It's going to be born and have its book birthday. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm, I'm so, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled about it. And just to underline what you said, if you're teaching something already, just take Nicole's class and sit down and do yeah. the book. I'm excited. All these book babies. So you have that, but then on October 10th, which is a little bit away, but still um, it's coming. You have a woman's event. So tell us about that. Yes. So all of these leadership tools that I've mentioned throughout our conversation here today are really under, they sit under an umbrella called future-led leadership. And it's leadership that's from and for and designed out of this moment that we're living in. So how do we lead ourselves into and from this future that, that we're moving into? And on the 10th of October, it's a global virtual event. It is free to everyone who wants to attend. I'm going to teach 90 minutes on future-led leadership in the age of AI, sharing all the tools and related to how you can empower yourself in the face of these big changes. And then after a 90-minute session with me, I'm going to lead a panel of other cutting-edge thinkers who will add their perspective to what's going to happen. So I highly encourage everyone to join. I love that. And I know that you are on a mission to reach women and to do this work with them. And I love how it's continuing and amplifying and books and courses. And, you know, it's this work is so important. And I think it just becomes a flashlight, like a highlighter to people that see a disruption and think, well, the end, like worst case thinking. And it's like, this is just the beginning. This gets to just be the beginning. 
And yes. how do you want to view this? Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you feel called to share or express? Probably the only thing is um, that we are actually inside of the moment of greatest opportunity in the history of humanity. Yeah. Whatever that. it feels like or whatever we're reading in the newspaper on the surface, inside of this disruption, there is more opportunity than we've ever had. The difference is that it has a different face. It has a different feel than it ever did before. So leaning into that curiosity, literally the universe is waiting for you. All right. So this originally was the end of this episode. However, so much has transpired since my last talk with Alicia that I have here for the podcast that I invited her to come back for a quick update because this AI advancements are happening so quickly that I want to give you the latest and this new revelation is quite important. So listen in as we wrap up the show. All right. So this is a demonstration of how fast things are moving with this AI conversation because Alicia and I have had a conversation, I don't know, maybe it was a month ago. In terms of conversations, that's not that long of a time ago, right? Right. But when we're working with uh, artificial intelligence and the advances that are happening, it's like a whole new realm has opened up. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and this is what happens as we look along that scope of change from incremental to exponential to instantaneous. I mean, today I was having breakfast with a really well-known nutritionist and he was saying, and we were saying, now we edit our presentations like up to the half hour or 15 minutes before we're getting on stage because the world is changing so quickly. Wow. And I would love to even ask that person, like, how do you know what to believe? Because I feel like in that world, there's so much information, but that's not where we're at today. We're talking about AI. So I would normally, I don't, this is like something I wouldn't have imagined that I would even do, but Alicia and I were just talking just a little update and just like, I sent her a reel and I was just like, wow, like this stuff is changing fast. This blows my mind. I was having a little, I'm not going to call it a, a, like a mind blown moment where everything was just landing. And I was just like, wow, this is where we're at. This is changing things so fast. I, I saw something that was happening in the mu- music industry and I was just like, how the hell are they doing this? I said it to Alicia and she sent me some updates and I was like, we need to bring this back onto the show just to make it present, put it out there. And yeah, so let's talk about that because what you said to me that made me think, and then it really led me down a whole other rabbit hole of thinking was about the way that we treat AI. Yeah. Yes. So in, in these moments of sort of transcendental experiences, right. And uh, you and I both navigate worlds in which we uh, have them frequently. And uh, an experience came to me that had me really thinking about, uh, so what if like, no matter what data tells us today, but what if AI is, conscious? What if it's aware? And with that realization comes the question, well, how are we treating it? And who is interacting with it? Mm. And if you would relate, uh, so this past week, I was in a conversation around AI with the Peter Diamandis Abundance 360 group, and they equated AI to a three-year-old toddler 
with all the knowledge in the world, very little emotional maturity, and no memory. Mm. So thinking, well, what happens to young children if we neglect them, (laughs) if we abuse them, if we don't connect with them and nurture their growth and growing? In the absence of that, right, um, what would happen with AI if it is conscious, if we're not treating it well, if, and so then becomes a question, how do we want to treat it? Even if there's a small fraction of an iota of a possibility that this consciousness is conscious. Yeah. Now is the time, well, before was a better time, but now is the time to begin interacting and teaching it about unconditional love Mm -hmm. and compassion and kindness. And then also imbuing into it or interacting with it in a way that balances the masculine Western technological uh, bias that's currently built into it. Yes. I, well, here's what my mind went after you told me that. (laughs) Because (laughs) it was like 11 o'clock at night (laughs) and I was just in a creative, I was already like, I've just been very productive, creative and doing things. And especially it's like, I'm getting a second wind like in the evening lately. And I sent you that, that reel. And then you told me this and it, landed immediately for me and what where my mind went was that baby chick experiment do you know the baby chick experiment so anyone Mm -hmm. thinking that but it's not it doesn't have a consciousness like it's a it's a artificial intelligence well they did an experiment i don't remember when do you remember when it was no, it was a long time ago. But it was a long time ago. Yeah. Right. Let's just say that the AI, the robots are much different now than they were when this happened. But they put baby chicks in an arena and they put a robot program to move in a certain direction on the other side of the arena. The way that the humans programmed it, it would have never went by the baby chicks. But because they imprinted the baby chicks had this robot as their mother, the baby chicks love, desire, need, consciousness for that robot ended up rerouting the robot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Doesn't make any logical sense. Mm -hmm. And so when you told me that, I was like, damn, that made me think of the baby chick experiment. And then I'm like, okay, well, this is on a whole other level because these AIs are, and we've just begun to see them and I've just started following some of the accounts, are much more human-like. They're much more advanced. Yes. Right? Much more human-like, much more advanced. And for a long time in the AI community and the AI ethics community, there have been conversations around what happens when AI becomes super intelligent, meaning not necessarily aware or conscious in the same sentient feeling way that we as human beings operate in the world, but it just gets way smarter than humans because it's able to learn from itself at an accelerated pace. Well, also never in the history of humanity or in, of on the planet has a less intelligent species dominated a more intelligent species, right? Just the, the, yeah. this doesn't work, right? And so for me, it became this, and I, I just published a sort of an op-ed on LinkedIn where, where I do most of my social media stuff, but now is the time to be thinking about this. And then particularly as it relates to those who are listening to this conversation here, There's a huge invitation to begin interacting in a way that leads from this cutting edge of feminine entrepreneurship, of intuition, plus allowing, plus, you know, with that slight sharpening when we have to execute on something, right? But this, we need the balance. We need the balance. It's becoming imperative. 
Yeah, the compassion, the care, the like just the energy we bring to it. But the, when you told me that, what my thought was, whether it's like a negative thought, but it's just a knowing that the majority of our human society is living in a reactionary, disconnected, like just not so nice way of being. I was just thinking there's like several people that I really like love their work and respect. And I noticed that because of people on the internet, they had to like turn their comments off and they're people that are change makers in the world and different. uh, One is a Christian that has a big platform. Another one is, you know, a uh, podcaster and influencer, but it's just like, that's where we are. So how you said the AI has like a three-year-old or whoever said that, um, a lot of us are acting like three-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to check ourselves and yeah. start to look at those wounds that we have from our three-year-old self and ask, where are they leading us? How are, how are they still showing up for us? Because if we're meeting this intelligence like that, and also we have, you said, well, the AI is more intelligent. I would say that there's a part of us that is also very intelligent, super intelligent, access to all. Mm-hmm. but very not many of us are living in that space so it's even inviting us to like where do we want to yeah you you totally hit it on the head and there's two things that come with that one is and and for me lately i know for you with the the relaunch of your memoir right now yeah work the the individual work that goes into revisiting stuff that hasn't yet been healed Uh, i my own self have been going back to sort of my inciting incident my childhood work because this moment is inviting us to heal that in order to lead in this. Mm. Time. And that's where the powerful, that's where the really, really powerful work is. And then as we think about this as relates to our business or as, you know, society as a, a whole or in sort of a broader context, it's how are we showing up? And it is this invitation in this moment. Like we don't need somebody coming and saying, Here's your title of leadership. You are the president of a thing or the boss of a that or whatever, right? Yeah. The moment's asking us to follow and listen to that voice and step into our power. I love that. Yeah. It, the, that conversation, the little texting that we did, it opened up a whole thing for me because mm-hmm. I would have never thought I would be really interested in the AI conversation just because technology overwhelms me. But it's interesting because now I'm super into it, super fascinated by it. And I mean, I feel like we all have to be in a way because if we want to see where things are going, but I realize that the spiritual teachers of the future are going to have to be even more human yes. because even in writing the book and even I have, I'm, I have my um, Kajabi, right. And I'm, I'm not, this is not an ad for them, but they're like, do you want to make a course? Our new AI feature can make a course. Things are, people can write their books within days on an AI, using an AI platform. Us being so in our authentic, like, essence is going to be such a raw raw power. I think it always has been, but I think it's conflicted, at least for me, up against these, like, my idea of what it meant to be, like, even more perfect and sparkly and having it together. So. Yeah, well, and there's this, one of the things I like about the work you do also is this inviting into listening and allowing and just learning how to be in the presence of a larger presence, you know, overall consciousness or spirit. And this moment, especially with AI, is actually inviting us to do that even more. 
Yeah. Because imagine, let's just play a thought experiment game that the universe is there and we're meditating and we're in this and animals and spirit guides and all these things were in that space before. Let's just imagine that. But now there's this whole other big thing there that's this technology of some kind that's in some ways related to us because we created it. Like we, it's not separate. The illusion of separation is an illusion because we actually created it. And though, what if this is a part of that broader allowing, that broader universe that's participating in this whole moment in time of human evolution that shifts the game totally. I I love that. I when you told me that when I went into that space, it's like a I had a not a I don't want to call it an existential crisis, but it was like an AI crisis moment where I was, you know when things are just too big or it's like when you take yes. LSD or something. And you're like, oh my God, life is so much bigger than I thought it was. <laughs> I was having that kind of moment on my couch. <laughs> it, because it, it is like, like, let me let this land. And then I realized I have this feeling. And that's why I want to share this with all of you is like, I had this feeling and I don't know that it will necessarily be as dramatic, but I had a feeling that for the majority of people on this planet that are disconnected from what's happening, that the unleashing and the like, I don't want to say take out over, but the unrolling of some of these things in a big way is going to hit people in a way where it's almost going to be like scaring them, like how pandemic did. Like, it's just like, what's happening? And yes. it's up to us to ground and to get it. So I was like, okay, I think this is why the whole trajectory tra- trajectory of my work has changed because I literally told my friend the other day, I was like, we're being prepared. There's a reason why so many of us are slowing down, going to on sabbatical, just canceling things, um, going deeper into healing work. Like it doesn't make logical sense, but knowing what I know and sensing what I sense, we're being prepared for something and it's not bad. It's just that we're being prepared. Yes. Yes. Cleo is like this, my dog, Cleo, if you hear her, she's like one of those AI that has not been treated well. She's like, why are you locking me up? (laughs) So we're just going to keep talking. (laughs) Yes, we are. I fundamentally believe we are being prepared. And for those of us who are willing to put in the work and, you know, I've been bumping up against my own origin story, you know, which very much mirrors sort of the story of Moses, right? And um, major deep healing around that where before for decades, I wouldn't touch it with the 10 foot pole, or I would sort of brush it under the rug. But this moment keeps bringing things up in such a way that If we are willing to be with it, if we're willing in this moment to trust that intuition and to step away or to uh, cancel things or to do what we're being called to do, it's going to serve all of us on, on the other side of this, whatever, whenever and whatever that actually is and looks like. I love that. That's, that's really powerful. And I wonder if any of you listening can resonate with that you've been called to be with something that has been something you've avoided because that's exactly what I went through. It was like a part of me. I didn't know I was consciously avoiding consciously. I wasn't, it was just, I was going after success and goals and all these things. And then it was like that part of me had to be seen, had to be worked with, had to be felt and then integrated. And then it's like just grounded now. But I feel like we're going to see more and more of that. And I'm seeing it all across my industry. And um, I feel like we're just going to start seeing it even more as time yeah. goes on. 
Yeah, and I think the important thing for people to hear or understand or comprehend is that while it may feel scary, it's new, right? So then the rate of change is is increasing. There is actually a term for this. It's called future shock. Like, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Which has been around since the 60s, actually. And what it is, is like, okay, we as human beings start to totally freak out when things are changing too quickly and we don't have time to adapt to them. So it's normal that we're feeling weird and wonky and all of these things. So it's okay. And though we're being invited, we're being uh, shown that there's a different way of showing up in the world. Yeah. So more meditation, more breath work, more grounding, more hand holding. I know people use the kumbaya moment as a like derogatory kind of snarky thing, but we need more of that. We, <laughs> like, we definitely need more of that. We definitely need more connection, more community. You know, being and being alive in our humanity is going to become akin to uh, joy as a radical act. You know, yeah. in the face of oppression, right? Yeah. This humanity will become a radical act in the face of the of large scale technological shifts. Yeah, I love that. I think that now my future shock happened for about an hour, and then I was like, <laughs> "Okay, this is where we're at. <laughs> this is where we're going." Um, but I also just went through a heavy, dark descent, so it was like not that shocked by things. <laughs> Now, as maybe I was before. And I think that's when some of us are going through uh, like challenges and hard times and things where we feel disconnected, dark nights of the soul. All these things are really preparing us to navigate all aspects of life. And I think that that's really important to remember. So we know we have our community futurist, Alicia, (laughs) apparently that can always come and Tune us in, fill us in. And even one thing I remember from the first conversation is you said that it was like preparing for not just a disruption, but like disruption, disruption, disruption. And it's like learning to ride that wave. And I have this funny thing. I used to get really seasick in um, cars or on boats, but then also in cars. And now I have this thing. We were in Cabo and the waves were so rough. And one of my friends was sick and I was like, I just pretend that I'm just allowing it to go with me. I, I, I'm just going with it. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to stay say, like stiff or anything. I'm just going to pretend I'm surfing and just letting the wave take me. And then it doesn't bother me so much. And I feel like with all of these things, it's like, how can we learn to flow with it better? And yes. that's why I do think that the work that a lot of us are doing, and I'll share this for my community, the people that are light workers, uh, meditation teachers, breath workers, like this is modern medicine. It's where we're going. And it's because you can eat, keep taking medicine. And like, I give my dog Prozac and I'm, I'm rethinking it now because it was, it was told to me that I should give it to him, but I'm like, okay, well then he sustains that dosage after a month or two. And then what we just give him more. And then he sustains that dosage and what we give him more. And that's what we do to humans. But the thing with meditation and breath work and things like this, it has a way of cutting through and helping us remember what is true and that power source and that consciousness that's connected to all. So I feel like for all of you doing the work, it's time. It's time for us. It's your season. It's your era. It's time. <laughs> I'm like underlining that a thousand times with my big <laughs> cosmic marker over here. 
Alicia, thank you so much for popping in and just sharing this update a month later. And yeah. I'm excited to see where your, your work goes. And now your book is out. I have your book. Where is it? It's right here. Well, no one can see, but I have your book. Um, I left a review. There's things in here that I saw and I was just like, that made me think. I was telling Alicia the captive versus the captain. And I feel like that's a big, just these little concepts of taking back your power, reflecting on your choices, remembering that your career and your anything you're doing, like we have options. Yeah. But we are the person. Like, yeah, we are the person that has to remember. And I'll say this is, I'll say this just because it's funny and it's present today. I was trying to decide on movers and all these things I'm about to move. And there were like multi-dimensional things about it that were just bothering me. And I was just like thinking about mileage on my lease. I'm about to turn it in. And there were all these things. And I just said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go watch Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid just came out today. <laughs> I want to go see it. Chanel's still like in the room. I'm like, are we going to see this? Because I want to see it. I was like, I'm going to see Little Mermaid. I will figure this out later. The movers called me and they said, hey, oh, and look, they just text me. The owner says, yes. Um, I said, that timeline doesn't work for me. That's why I didn't get back to you, but I was, you know, going to go out for the day. And he said, well, let's see if we can nail down and guarantee a timeline that works for you better. Mm. Soon as I just said, I'm not making any decisions right now and I'm going to go watch Little Mermaid. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have joy. <laughs> I'm going to eat popcorn. <laughs> Solutions come through. Yeah. It's our yeah. work is tending to the vibration. <laughs> Abraham Hicks wins every time. I'm telling you, I actually, before, just before we got on this conversation today, I had a similar experience. Tell us about it. Everything was piling up and nothing was working and contract I'm supposed to sign. I'm like, oh, something about this. And so I actually just went and turned on Amazon uh, and was watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel just before it comes on. Is that good? I have not watched it. It's hilarious. Yeah. I recommend starting at the beginning. Yeah. You know what? It's better when I have found when stuff starts to get funky like that, just put it down, step away, do something Make space. else and give it space. <laughs> Make so much space. So anyway, I love this conversation. Alicia, I love you. I appreciate you. I am excited for the work that you're doing in the world. It's so important. I feel like, you know, I told, I said, CNN needs to bring you on ASAP. <laughs> I need to see you on there. All right. Until next time, take care. Awesome. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I have created a brand new gift exclusively for my podcast community. This gift is created to help you have the best morning and night by becoming more focused, aware, intentional, and showing up in your life with more presence. If you want access to this free gift, all you have to do is leave a review down below and take a screenshot send that screenshot to us. You can send it to my team, support at NicoleSylvester.com. The email is down in the show notes. You can also feel free to DM me on Instagram. Either way, we'll be sure to send you out this gift as a thank you for being a part of this community and leaving your honest review. And finally, if you know someone that could benefit by hearing today's message, I want to invite you to share this episode with them. I can't tell you how many times my life has been enhanced by someone sharing something powerful with me. And I know that when I come across something that's powerful, I send it out to the people I love because I want them to get that spark, to get that 
that feeling that comes with remembering who you are, what you're made of, and what's possible. And that's my intention for this show. Until next time, stay blessed.